This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. Welcome to Relevant Life Church. It's so good to have you in the house. Do you love Jesus? Yeah, I love it. I love it. What a great worship service we've had this morning. If you're new with us today, there is a, a card that you can fill out as well as you can scan the QR code on the back by your chair and you can fill that out and we would love to be able to follow up with you. But I want to thank all of you that were able to come out yesterday and help us work at South Campus. We got a lot done. If you drive by the campus, you're going to see how pristine and pretty it looks and smells good inside. We didn't get over here because it was too much activity that took place, but we thank you for helping us get it done. And uh, we're excited about it. How many brought your Bibles today? I want you to lift your Bibles high. Uh, Pastor Allie's going to come preach here in just a moment. And uh, she is on fire. Uh, and she's going to bring the Word of God. And she's going to challenge you to open this, this Bible that's so important to us, should be important to us. Uh, but if you would be prepared to do so. Also, as you saw a slide here, we're going to be doing our first Vacation Bible School VBS in June, and uh, we, we need your help. We need your participation. Uh, we, this obviously is going to cost us something, and we want to be able to do that, and we want to be able to serve our community really, really well. So if you want to give to those things, you guys are always so generous in helping us out. If you would give QR code, whatever it is, however, whatever form of giving you give, would you do so? And would you put on that uh, Vacation Bible School, and we will make sure that it gets in the right spot. We are excited about it. We just read a, I read an article this week, read a statistic that how, how important and how popular uh, Americans, whether they're believers or not, believe in vacation Bible schools and how they, I mean, we're over like 65% will send their children to vacation Bible schools. What an avenue for us to be able to touch those that don't know Jesus at a very vulnerable age, right? So we want you to help us that way. And if you want to help, if you want to serve that week, see Pastor Sarah. I'm sure we can, we will put you in a spot someplace. And that's always very, very helpful. Today, uh, one of the favorite women in my life is coming to preach a message. Not only is she a favorite woman, but she is a daughter of mine, a daughter of faith, and I, I've adopted her. She is who she is. And I just want to say she is now officially credentialed with the Assemblies of God. And I will tell you this, you don't have to have a license to preach in order to preach but today she does have a license to preach, and we at Relevant Life Church believe in women in ministry, and I love this girl. Would you give her a warm welcome today? Good morning, RLC fam. I'm so excited to be here this morning with all of you. Are you excited? Yeah, yeah I love that. Good. I have water today because I've been coughing a lot, so just in case, okay? So we're going to continue on in our series called Love Where You Live. Everyone say it with me. Love where you live. Good. Let's try one more time. Love where you live. Good. We've been on this journey to unpack the question, what would happen if each of us really began to love where we live? Asking this question and then being self-aware enough to make changes to the way you currently live has the power to put you on mission for God like never before. And our continued prayer is that in asking this question, we would have a new ability to see beyond where we're at and see what God can do through you and I in our city. 
What could God do in our families, friends, work, school, and ultimately, what can God do through us to reach our city? And so guiding us through this process has been four phases of transformation. Phase one was personal transformation. God wants to do a work in us. Phase two was home transformation. God wants to do a work in your home. We can't expect the world to be in order if our home isn't in order, right? And phase three, the one we're currently in, circle transformation. God wants to do a work in your circles, the circles that we do life in, school, work, neighborhood, gym, coffee shop, whatever it may be. And kicking off next week will be phase four, city transformation. God wants to do a work in our city. But it's not going to come from the government. It's going to come from each of us realizing that God wants to work through us. As God changes our heart, so changes the city of Salem. And so this series is the challenge we all need to let God work in our hearts and as a result of that, reach our city. And so for the last few weeks, we've been in the circle transformation phase of this series. And our question has become, what would happen if you really loved your circle? What would happen if you really loved the people around you like Jesus loves the people around you? How would that shift the way you see them, the way you talk to them, the way you pursue them? And it has been said in this series several times that loving our neighbor, your circle, it takes time. Oftentimes we're willing to pray for our circle, but we are not willing to do for our circle. Why? Because it takes time. Getting out of your world and what you have going on takes time. And not only that, it takes sacrifice and it takes an attitude of selflessness. And so today, I want to continue on in this phase of our journey together by asking this question. What if you made where you do life more than the task you do? And what do I mean by that? Well, what if you lived with greater purpose on your job or in your retirement or on your school campus, or at home taking care of your kids. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. What you do and where you do it is your mission field, meaning your workplace, your school, the coffee shop you go to, the gym you work out at, is full of people that Jesus died for. And after Jesus brought salvation to the world by shedding his blood on the cross, he gave a command to all believers to go and spread the gospel to all nations. Matthew 8, 28, 19, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And we call this the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is a mandate for all Christians and should be treated as such. And unfortunately, I think we all too often treat the Great Commission as a mere suggestion rather than a mandate. And this leads to a lack of evangelizing and multiplying the kingdom of God through our daily lives. And many times Christians can consciously and subconsciously see the fulfilling of the Great Commission as an overseas endeavor while forgetting that there are many lives in their own nation that are lost. Yes, global missions are an extremely important part of fulfilling the Great Commission, as Jesus said, to make disciples of all nations. But we must remember that all includes our own. And so why is it that so many who hold the key to salvation, the very message that could save someone from an eternity in hell and give the eternal life and a relationship with a loving father, choose not to share it with others? Could it be that we see the Great Commission as something only overseas missions can accomplish? Could it be that it can seem daunting to participate in? Maybe it's that we don't recognize the urgency of the command. Or could it be that we're so distracted with our own lives or we're too busy to listen when the Holy Spirit prompts us to share? There are many reasons why you may not be fully committed. 
We should all take the time to ask the Lord to reveal what it is that's stopping us from obeying this command and ask him to give us a passion for sharing the good news. Regardless of what the reason is, we must take practical steps in our daily lives to help accomplish this mandate. And the simplest and quickest way for us to start participating in the fulfillment of this mandate is by impacting the lives of the people we are closest to in relation and in proximity. And if you are someone who follows Jesus, then you are an advocate for someone else's eternity. I'll say that one more time. If you are someone who follows Jesus, then you are an advocate for someone else's eternity. God, I just thank you so much for just the opportunity to, to share your word, God, to be used by you. I'm so grateful that you chose to use each of us as a vessel for your good news, God. And so I just pray over every heart and mind, God. I pray that you would meet them right where they're at, God, and that you would just work through my words, God, and you would just um, give people the message that they need to hear, Lord, through me today, God. And I just thank you for each person that's leaning in, for each person that's engaged in this series, for each person that shows up week in and week out wanting to, wanting to learn what your word has to say, God. And the church said, amen. So if you could list all the days of the week from your favorite to your least favorite, which would be at the top and which would be at the bottom? My guess is that for most of us, the weekend would be way up here and Monday might be like way down here, right? So I've got some Monday motivation for us. And so if you want to throw that first one up there, Mondays should be optional. All right, next one. How to enjoy Monday. Step one, you don't. You just don't, all right? Mondays are the potholes in the road of life. How many of us love those potholes on our vehicles, right? Here we go. It's been a long week. Me, Monday at 9.17 a.m. Mm, that's, that one hits home. If each day is a gift, I'd like to know where I can return Mondays. Dear Monday, I want to break up. I'm seeing Tuesday and dreaming about Friday. Sincerely, it's not me. It is you. And I think if we're being honest, there are some of us in here that just want to take Mondays and we just want to smash them into the ground. But imagine if we could turn the most dreaded day of the week into a day full of purpose and impact. You were made for so much more than just surviving your week. You were made to thrive in it. So today, we're going to change the way we look at Mondays because Mondays are a pretty big deal and Mondays aren't going anywhere. And so the title of my message today is called Made for Mondays. Because where you do life has a greater purpose than a diploma or a paycheck or the task on your to-do list. And I believe you and I, we were made for Mondays. Our Mondays have more meaning than we give them credit. Whether you're in the marketplace, in school, or in a home, God has a purpose for you. And it's important that we discover what it looks like to go from simply working a job to fulfilling God's purpose and unique mission for each of us. You see, we are the church, and the church leaves the building every Sunday and goes out. The physical building is not the church we are. This right here, what we're doing, is only a small part of your week. It's meant to equip you to make a difference for the glory of God on your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday and your Thursday and your Friday and your Saturday, and then we're back together again on a Sunday. And we come back for this quick pit stop, throw some gas in the tank, maybe some new tires, depending on the week you might have had, and then we're sent out all over again to impact your circle. This building sits empty for the most part all week, and we disperse throughout our city. Monday shows what stuck from Sunday, right? 
Monday really shows us what you're made of. Monday shows if you're really in this to win it. So why is it that we dread Mondays so much? For so many of us, the weekend is great. It's our time to have downtime, to relax, to get those projects done, to, to do our hobbies. But Monday, knowing that you're going to walk into classes tomorrow morning, knowing that you're going to walk into work and see those coworkers and that boss. And we have a Monday mentality where we're not happy about returning to work or school after the weekend. One study said that on Mondays, almost 50% of employees are late to work. Mondays are the most common day for suicides in America. And 87% of Americans say they have no passion for their jobs. They just go and they aren't engaged. Yet the average American will spend over 90,000 hours at work over their lifetime and live to see over 4,000 Mondays. So it's kind of a big deal that we get this Monday thing right. And I believe that God, he designed our Mondays to be exciting, to be excited for living for him, to show the world the power and the love of Jesus. And we've got to carry Sunday into Monday. We can take what we experience in the presence of God as a corporate body, and we can take that into our Mondays. We have to go into Monday like Jesus would go into Monday. The second greatest commandment in the Bible is to love your neighbor, and the commission given to all believers is to go and make disciples, other followers of Jesus. So once you accept Jesus, you become a full-time follower. And that comes before any other title you may hold, before anything else in the workplace, before anything else in the family unit, before anything else to your friends. You are first and foremost a follower and disciple of Jesus. So regardless of the position, boss, student, manager, Uber driver, stay-at-home parent, volunteer, the purpose always remains the same. What you do and where you do it has no other purpose than to advance the kingdom of God. So how can we go into Monday loving our circles? Well, let's take a moment to look at Joseph in the Bible. If you want to turn with me, we're going to be in the first book, Genesis, and we're going to be at chapter 39, verse 1. Alrighty, so now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, but in the house, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. And I love this because if you know anything about Joseph, you know that Joseph was a young man dreaming of doing something of real significance for God. But he had to deal with serious conflict and disappointment. Just before the events that took place in Genesis 39 that we just read, Joseph had really upset his brothers. And as a result of that, his brothers sold him to some slave traders who were on their way to Egypt. And that's where we just picked up in the story and we see that God was with Joseph and that Joseph worked with a greater purpose. And then right after the passage we just read, Potiphar's wife tries to make a move on Joseph. Joseph denies her, but he gets thrown in prison. And the man in charge of the prison soon sees that Joseph is a good man and has good work ethic. And so he puts him in charge of all the other prisoners. Later, the ruler over Egypt, Pharaoh, becomes angry with some of his servants. And they get thrown into prison and, uh, where each of them have some weird dreams. 
And Joseph, with God's help, explains the meaning of their dreams. One of them is released from prison, and some years later, when Pharaoh has dreams that no one can interpret, the servant remembers Joseph. So Joseph comes and, with God's help again, interprets Pharaoh's dreams. There will be years of plenty, and there will be years of famine. And Pharaoh chooses Joseph to oversee the food collection in the years of plenty and to store it up for the years of famine. And he puts Joseph in charge of the whole land of Egypt. So next to Pharaoh, Joseph becomes the most important man in Egypt. And several years later, when the famine comes, guess who comes to get food from Egypt because they ran out of food at home in Canaan? His brothers. And there's so much more to the story, but eventually Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. Genesis 45, verse 4. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Skipping down to verse 8. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all of Egypt. Joseph led the sort of exemplary life that was always ready for Monday. Sometimes we find ourselves victims of circumstances that are stacked in a way that we just can't win. Even if we are the party in the right feeling terribly manipulated and misunderstood, certainly that's how it was for Joseph. And it contradicts the idea that if we just do the right thing by God, things will immediately turn out all right for us too. Sometimes doing the right thing is very costly. We don't do it just so that we can prosper. We do it because it's the right thing no matter what. Because living with greater purpose matters. So how do we go into Monday loving where we live? Well, number one, we go into Monday loving where we live by choosing what we want to be known for. Often Christians are known more for what we are against than what we are for. We find ourselves constantly caught protesting against stuff we don't like. We are often identified as the people who are against non-Christians. We're definitely against liberals, we're against abortion, we're against the LGBTQ plus community, we're against drinking, we're against smoking, swearing, tattoos, and we can't forget that we're against dancing. And we often just seem that we don't have very much fun at all. Is this really what you want to become known for in your circles? All the stuff that you are against or the stuff that you don't do? Jesus was criticized because he seemed to be having so much fun with sinners that people trying desperately to maintain a pretense of holiness got worried. The word Christian comes from the Greek word Christianos, meaning little Christ. And the accusers of Jesus' disciples actually used it as an insult. There's the little Christ, they would say. The believer's lifestyle was so clear and unmistakable that this name was assigned to them because they put into practice what they had learned from Jesus. They completely achieved the mission that was given to them, the same mission that's given to us, to represent Christ and make him known. So what was meant to be an insult is how the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch to begin with. And it's the name we use today for all those who believe in Jesus. Which means if we call ourselves a Christian, we should be imitating the life that Jesus lived. We should be standing alongside Jesus in prayer and reading his word. The more we know him, the more his character rubs off on us. And the more we reflect his character, the more we make him known to those who don't know him. Joseph led the sort of exemplary life that invited people's admiration and trust. Joseph lived with a combination of competence and consistency that people couldn't help but admire. His integrity was expressed through the habits of a lifetime. And I hope that as a believer, your integrity in your circle has a positive face that is not just identified by what you are against. People can tell you what Christians are against, but can they tell from the way you live your life in your circle what you are for? 
Jesus said this, John 13, verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Your actions speak louder than your words do. Joseph had an awareness of God that gave him greater purpose to what he did. Joseph was known for what he was for and not what he was against. So if we're going to be effective in making our circle our mission field, what are some things we should be known for? How about our work ethic? If somebody was to take a poll of the people you worked with, would they say they want you on their, on their team or on their shift? How about if somebody was to take a poll of your teachers? Would they want you in their class? For the, Rachel, sorry. Rachel's a teacher and she's laughing, sorry. Uh, wow, I got so distracted by that. For those of you who stay home and take care of your kids, would your kids say you work hard or would they say you're lazy? Are you known for good, hard work? Do you get things done? Joseph was known for good work ethic, and it was his work ethic that revealed God to his circle. What about professionalism? Do you show up to work late, or do you show up early? When you meet your friends for something, are you the one that's on time, or are you always the late one? Are you out of sick days at work because you use them all for non-sick reasons? Do you show up to school on time? Do you come dressed to impress, or do you look like you just were out of bed? Do you try to slack, slack off or do you engage ready to take on whatever comes your way that day? When someone makes you mad, do you blow up on them? Do you get sassy or do you respond like Jesus would respond? We should be known for being professional in our circles. What about integrity? Would your boss trust you to take the deposit to the bank? Would your teacher trust that if, you stepped, if they stepped away from the classroom, you wouldn't be a distraction or waste your time? Do the people in your circle know that you have their best interest in mind or do they think that you just live for yourself? Who are you when no one is watching? Are you following through on what you say you're gonna do? How about drive? Do you work to make Jesus look good? Are you committed to being a good student? Are you a good representative for your company? Does your circle see you as all in? Do you lead by example with those you have influence over? Joseph had drive that revealed God to others. Do you know what happens when we're known for what we are for? People trust us. They admire us. Good work ethic, professionalism, integrity, drive, all these and more creates a bridge to reveal God's character to others. And it is in the place of trust that we can go into deep conversations with people to tell them about the God that has changed our lives. Luke 12, 48, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. God will use you in your circle to minister to people, but not if you're not living a life worthy of the cause. Joseph, Joseph's character was formed from the knowledge that God is the Lord over all of life. So each of us should realize that if God is the Lord over all of my life, then there is, there is greater purpose in everything that I do. And I get it. People are hard to deal with and people are messy. But when you have someone's heart, you will also have their ear. And so when we live in a way that shows what we are for, Jesus will be revealed to all of those in our circle. So we go into Monday by choosing what we want to be known for. And number two, we go into Monday by choosing to not go alone. We see in the story of Joseph that he wasn't alone because the Lord was with him. Genesis 39 verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph 
so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Skipping down to verse 20, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. And he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Verse 23, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and he gave him success in whatever he did. So here's Joseph. He's been sold into slavery and he's successful in the beginning of this chapter in the house of his Egyptian master. But by the end of the chapter, he's thrown into prison. Yet in the middle of it all, whether he was doing good in the house of the Egyptian master or he's not doing so good in the dungeon, the Lord was with him. And this is the constant truth repeated over and over and over again, not just in Joseph's life, but in Abraham's life, in Moses' life, in Joshua's life, and on and on throughout Scripture. And it's no surprise that at the end of the Great Commission, Jesus says to his disciples, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Hear this truth, whatever's going on in your life, God himself is by your side. 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the spirit of God lives in you. And under the New Testament, his spirit dwells within us. Jesus told us that we don't have to do this alone, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But we have to choose to access the power, truth, and guidance of the Holy Spirit which we need to use in order to fulfill the Great Commission. We have to choose to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit has called us to do. We must understand that whatever God guides us to do, the Holy Spirit is the one that equips us to do it. And it is easy to get caught up in the fears of being inadequate, not knowing what to say, or not feeling as though we have the courage to do as God commands. But when God tells us to do something, he always provides us with what we need to be able to accomplish it. And we see that was true for Joseph. God gave Joseph favor in all that he did, regardless of the circumstance God provided. So we may not physically see these provisions, but we must walk in faith, believing that they are there. We as believers get to be vessels for the Holy Spirit to work through us to accomplish the will of God. The same Holy Spirit that was with Jesus and Jesus' disciples is the same Holy Spirit available to us today. The Holy Spirit is the one that guides us to the power, to, or guides us with the power to do what the Bible says and guides us into all truth. John 15, 26, when the advocate comes who I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And it's typical to hear people equate the work of the Holy Spirit with an emotional feeling that we get in worship. And I don't doubt that the Spirit's work of imparting hope in God to our hearts brings strong emotions. But scripture shows that merely giving us an emotional high is too small a thing for the Spirit of God. He wants to affect us so much more than that. His aim is to make pervasive changes in every aspect of our lives for his glory and for our good. Great things can happen when the Spirit moves, but we must be sensitive to what he tells us to do and quick to obey it. We must choose to willingly allow him to disrupt our daily routine and step out with boldness and faith as we follow him. There was no doubt that Joseph walked with God and that God was with Joseph. And imagine the strength of every Christian if we truly walked into Monday with the fullness of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Imagine the strength of every Christian if we walked into Monday fully confident in the Holy Spirit's power to work through our lives. What would your circle look like if you chose to not go alone? 
as Christians, there should be no doubt in our circle that we walk with God. So wherever you are on a Monday, Jesus is calling you to follow him. His spirit is within us and he is with us. So we go into Monday loving where we live by choosing what we wanna be known for. And we go into Monday loving where we live by choosing to not go alone. And I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrased Romans chapter 12 in the message, he puts it this way. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its levels of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. God has us where we are for a purpose and we must be faithful to fulfill his commands in all situations. In Matthew, it says that we are the salt and light of the world and through our reputation, we can bring glory to God. Through our example of a life lived for Christ with his spirit, we can show the life-changing truth of the gospel at work in our own lives. We have an amazing opportunity to build a reputation of strong character and integrity in the eyes of those around us. And from that, we'll build deep relationships with people in our circle. There isn't one vocation that's holier than another. God poured out his spirit on all of us. And we all have what it takes to face Monday. Because we're all employed by the same boss and his name is Jesus. So how will tomorrow be for you? Will you place your life before God as an offering? Will you be known for the drive that reveals God to others? Will you go alone or will you go with the power of the Holy Spirit? There are people in your workplace that need hope. There are people that need comfort. There are people that have such jaded perspectives of the God who created them. There are people who don't understand the gospel. There is the balance of eternity before every human, before everybody in your office, before everybody in your math class, on your sports field, on your construction site, in your gym, at your coffee shop. Are you ready for Monday? Because your circle needs Jesus and you are the one God chose to reveal him to them. And so today, I just wanna take a moment to respond before I close this out in prayer. And if you feel like this is a challenge for you, I just wanna encourage you to take a moment and ask God what it is that's stopping you from fulfilling the mandate of what he's asked us to do. Because each of us were created for no other reason than to literally multiply his kingdom. And he chose to use us as his vessels. And so I just wanna take a moment, like 30 seconds to just have silence and you can just respond and then I'm gonna close this out in prayer. God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to be used by you. 
that every day I wake up, you've chosen to pour your spirit out on me and to use me for your kingdom, God. And I'm sorry for all the times I didn't listen, for the times I wasn't obedient, but God, I wanna do this like never before. I wanna love where I live, just like you would love where I live. I wanna reach people like Jesus reached people. And God, I pray right now over every heart online and in the building, God, that there would be a response that is exciting because this is exciting. Your word, the news of what Jesus did is life-changing. And I pray that we would be a community that shares that with the people in our lives. God, I pray that we would be ready for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and back together on Sunday. God, I pray that what we learn on a Sunday, we would take into our weeks as we disperse across this city and our city would be transformed through you, Lord, through you using each one of us, God. And so I just pray for a fresh anointing on every person, Lord, that they would be able to, to hear your spirit more audibly than they ever have before, God, that they would feel refreshed and renewed in your spirit, God, and that we would be ready to take on Monday and that we'd be ready to face whatever it is you have for us. In your holy name, everyone said, amen. So there's a lot going on in the life of our church and we are so excited about all of it. So we just wanna encourage you, remember to check out everything on the app or online and, and don't forget to get signed up where you need to get signed up. Outflow is coming. I'm so excited for Outflow. Talk about loving where you live, right? If you need prayer this morning, our prayer team is gonna be across the front and we'll see you in the weeks to come. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.